Good morning, everybody. And welcome to Hillhead at Grosvenor. It's good to be here today. Um, Anne and Brian are on holiday. I have printed off the notices and promptly, I think, left them on my seat over there, which is a bit dozy. Thank you, Grace. I don't think we have any new visitors, but it's good to be back and it's good to see a few folk who are not able to get out so often. So great to be here today. Please do stay and have a cup of tea or coffee with us after the service if you possibly can. Our evening worship this evening will be held in Wellington Church in South Park Avenue and is being led by Alison Hay. I am giving you notice of a church meeting immediately following morning worship on Sunday the 17th of March. This is an important meeting so please be sure to put the date in your diaries and make every effort to be there. Next Sunday morning we are delighted to welcome Professor Todd Still from Baylor University in the States as our guest preacher. And also during that service, we will be receiving Johan into covenanted membership. So it's an exciting Sunday next week. And next week, the evening service will revert to being in Calvinside Hill Head Church and will be led by Christine Green. These are all our notices. Our call to worship comes from the Gospel of Matthew, as do all our readings this morning. And this comes from Matthew chapter 16. Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their crosses and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? And so our opening hymn of worship this morning picks up that theme of Jesus' call upon people's lives. Will you come and follow me if I but call your name? If you're able, you're invited to stand as we sing.
So we come to God in prayer, and of course, as is usual, we will join together in the Lord's Prayer once I have guided us in some prayers of approach. So let's pray. Holy God, we gather in the name of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, marvelling at the wonder of your love for us. A love that draws us to awe and wonder as we participate in your beautiful creation. A love that inspires us to love others as we are loved. A love that looks on the brokenness and disorder of human sin and finitude. A love that seeks to forgive and forget, to restore and renew. A love that never ends. Calling Christ, we gather because you have spoken our names and drawn us to yourself. You call us to listen carefully to the words that you speak. You call us to love one another as we have been loved. You call out what is wrong and name what needs to be challenged or changed. You call us to forgive as we have been forgiven. You call us to a journey that never ends. Healing Spirit, we gather because you have inspired us and healed us. You heal the wounds that we have inflicted upon ourselves and upon each other. You heal the wrongs and name new hope and new ideas. You restore us, renew us and refresh us. You are with us always as we travel onwards, deeper into the healing grace and love of God. And so, welcomed, healed, restored and forgiven, we gather our voices with those of countless others in the words Jesus taught us, saying in our own heart languages, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So mine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever.
So we're going to do um, a little bit of a, a game type thing this morning, and I would really like three volunteers. I promise I'm not going to make a fool out of anybody, because I don't like being made a fool out of. I promise there's nothing nasty. I just need three people who would be willing to come out and help me. Looks like Esther is one. Thank you, Esther. That's one. Need two more. It's not going to work unless we get two more people. People don't volunteer, I might pick you. I might call you by name and say, out the front. Can be grown-ups as well. So thank you, Benjamin. So we've got Benjamin, Esther, we need one more person. Any age. Bardia, thank you. Okay. So I have three parcels here, and each parcel has something nice in it. And I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and you can choose what to do for each one. But first, you're going to choose your gift, and you're going to choose it in the order that you came forward. So, Esther, would you don't open it yet, but would you like to choose one of these? Which one would you choose? The green one. So you hold the green one. Stay here. Stay here. No, 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 not running away yet. Bardia, which would you like, yellow or blue? You want the yellow one, and you have the blue one. Okay, right, so I'm going to ask, give you some choices, and it's up to you what you do. So it doesn't matter what the others do. You have to choose what you do. So the first choice is, are you going to open the package or not? So would you like to open it, or do you want to not open it? You want to open yours? That's, so you open it. What are you going to do? You're going to open it, so you want to open yours? You want to, so, all right, so open all three parcels, brilliant. Okay, so that was a free choice to open it or not. Don't worry about ripping the paper because it doesn't matter. There's something in each parcel. Can you get yours open? Oh dear, can you, do you need some help? You, I think you've got the hardest one to open, to be fair. Okay, shall I have the paper? Shall I take the paper? Thank you. Okay, so stay there a bit longer. Okay, a bit longer. Right, okay. The next choice is uh, we've got a, a bo box of Oreos, a packet of Pringles, and a packet of chocolate. So the choice for each one of you is do you want to open that now or do you want to take it home? Okay, do you want to go and sit down then with your crisps? That's great. What do you want to do? Open it now or take it home? Okay, you can go and sit down. Oh, you want to take it home? Well, that's, that's, that's okay. <laughs> now, that's fine. That's great. So, we had free choices. We had free choices to come out. We had a free choice which... Um, well, the first person got a free choice, which one? Esther got completely free choice. Barnsley got a semi-free choice, and Benjamin got Hobson's choice, as to which she had. But then there was a choice. Do you want to open it, or do you not want to open it? And having opened it, what do you want to do with it? Now, if they'd said they wanted to open it, I would have asked them if they wanted to keep it all for themselves, or if they wanted to share it. And if they wanted to share it, do they want to do that now, or do they want to do that later? So that's really good. Um, free choices, and the great thing about something like that is you cannot predict which way it will go. So these were just fun choices. These weren't important choices, really. And they're the kind of choices that if you changed your mind, it really wouldn't matter. 
But in life, all of us have to make choices. And one of the choices we make at some point in our lives is do we want to follow Jesus or not? Is Jesus important enough to us? Is that, do those stories attract us enough that we want to say, yep, yeah, I'm going to build my life on that? Or do we go, ah, do you know what? Nah, it's fine. I'll just go and do something else. So we're going to sing quite an old song. I think we sang it a few weeks ago. Um, I certainly learned it when I was in Sunday school. I have decided to follow Jesus. And if you want to clap or jump around, feel free. It's that kind of a song. Thanks, Paul. We have three readings today from the Gospel of Matthew, firstly from chapter 4. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, <coughs> follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And then from chapter 8. 
Now when Jesus saw great crowds around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. A scribe then approached and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And thirdly from chapter 19. Someone came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honour your father and mother. Also, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. The young man said to him, I have kept all these, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astounded and said, Then who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but for God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, Look, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all all things, when the Son of Man is seated on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. don't know about you but for me this week has been quite a difficult one listening to the news on the television and there have been two stories that seem to have dominated the news and as I've worked on my sermon over the week so I've had to rework my references to them because they've changed. 
There's a story of Shamima Begum, who at the age of 15 was attracted by an extreme form of Islam, left behind her home, her family, and travelled overseas in order to follow what she then saw as the right path. She's now still only 19 years old. She has been married. She has had three pregnancies and two of her babies have died. And she wants to come home. Whether or not she is truly penitent is not for any of us to judge. But now she finds herself illegally rendered stateless by the United Kingdom, not because she chose to go away, but because she asked to come back. You can revoke somebody's citizenship, but only if they are a citizen of another nation, and she is not. And I couldn't help hear her story without thinking of the story of the prodigal son. And then closer to home, and this story really has unfolded over the week. Aaron Campbell, a 16-year-old who has been named at the request of the media, has been found guilty of the brutal rape and murder of a six-year-old girl. What we have heard through the news media reveals a complex web of drug dealing and feuding. And for reasons that we will never know, never know, let alone understand, this boy at a young age chose to follow a path that led him to this point. And so his family and the family of six-year-old Alicia, and the people of that small community in Butte have to live with the consequences of that for the rest of their lives. Troubling stories, and stories I'm not going to dwell on this morning, but stories that illustrate how much choices matter how much it matters who we choose to listen to, whose example we choose to follow. And for those of us who are attracted by the stories of Jesus of Nazareth, the decision we make to follow him, or indeed not to follow him, matters. In each of the Gospels, we hear brief accounts of people who were attracted by what Jesus was teaching and doing, and who considered the possibility of becoming his disciples, the people who chose to align their lives with the teaching of this rabbi or this teacher. There were plenty of rabbis you could choose from. It wasn't just Jesus or nobody. But it does seem that for many people, there was something about Jesus that you couldn't just ignore. Something that led them to think, well, maybe, maybe he will help me to answer the questions I can't quite name. Maybe he's the one who actually what he says seems to make sense to me. It fits with the values I, I sense within myself. 
In the Gospels, we meet two different types of disciples, if you like. There are those who are also referred to as apostles, a word that means sent ones or sent. The 12 men who Jesus chose to form his inner circle and to whom he would entrust the continuation of his work after his death, resurrection and ascension. And if we follow the chronology of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, it seems that he chose these men fairly early on in his ministry, some of them right at the start. But beyond that, there are other disciples, women and men, without name and without number. Luke tells us that at one point Jesus sent out, well, depending which ancient text you find, 70 or 72 of his followers. So that suggests there was a, a good-sized core of people who were very close to Jesus, learning from him. But there was a wider and growing group of interested people. And then there are crowds, even beyond those who've kind of signed up to go with Jesus, there are the crowds. The people who think, this is an interesting speaker, let's go and find out. And these would have included Jews and Gentiles, Romans, foreigners of all kinds, people who were slaves, people who were free, children, adults, women and men, all eager to hear the stories this man had to tell and to see the wonders he seemed to perform. I've chosen three stories from Matthew's Gospel that help to illustrate the reality of choosing to follow Jesus, to respond to his call, follow me. And I have to say, it leads to a sermon that comes with a health warning. Because actually, if we listen closely to those stories, we might not like it very much. Because here's the thing. This Jesus makes demands on his followers that are as radical and as extreme as anything we might hear on our television news. There is, of course, one key difference between Jesus and the extremist movements of our day. Everything that Jesus did and said was motivated by love. Because the God who is love lived fully in him. But lest we get soppy and think that's okay then, this is a demanding love, a costly love. The first story Paul read for us, I guess, is a Sunday school favourite. It's a lovely story, isn't it? There's Jesus strolling along the beach under the sunshine, because it's always under the sunshine, isn't it, in a nice, happy Bible story. And he's watching the fisher folk along the shore, doing what they're doing. Some of them are casting their nets, others are sitting in their boats repairing their nets. But it's a lovely day, and, you know, he goes for a nice walk. And then he sees two men who maybe he already knew, we don't know, maybe he didn't. Simon, who he calls Peter, and Andrew, and they're, they're working. They're getting their nets and chucking them out. And he just says, just leave your nets, follow me, and from now on you'll be catching people. And it seems that with no second thought, they just drop the nets and they go. 
and they carry on. So now we have three of them walking along the seashore on a nice sunny day with boats bobbing on the sea and everything. And a bit further along, they come to another boat that's got, it's on the shore, and there are three men sitting in it, one old and two younger, and they're busy working away, mending their nets. Nobody thought to write down what Jesus said to them, at least according to Matthew, but he calls them and they go, yep, yeah, fine, okay, leave the nets, leave the dad, and off they go. It's a lovely story. And the pictures I have in my head date back to when I was probably about six years old, which is why I've got a sunny blue sky and happy smiley people. And I don't want to spoil the story for you, however you have heard it. But have you ever actually thought what that felt like in that moment? Has there ever been in your life a moment when someone or something was so attractive that you literally dropped everything. Gave up your career, gave up your family, gave up your home, and off you went. <coughs> I can't honestly say I've ever felt that strongly about something. I have come very close to it in my discipleship of Jesus. But is this something maybe a bit like what it was with Shamima Begum four years ago? Something that seemed exciting and new and interesting. She didn't know anything about it, but yeah, okay, this, this person, this teaching she'd heard attracted her, so off she went. <coughs> the call of the fisherman is a wonderful story. But it is also a troubling one. Because it forces me to ask myself, what are the voices that lure sensible, rational people to give up their home and their family and go and do something completely different? It could have been Jesus calling. It could have been somebody less honourable calling. So we have to ask ourselves, don't we, what is different about Jesus? What is different about Jesus from some other extremist that means it can be the right thing to let go of some things or all things and go his way? So let's move on a bit. This was his inner circle, the first four people who were part of the twelve. Let's go to the wider circle of disciples. These are people who've been around for a while. They've been listening to Jesus and they've been weighing up what it is he says. And then they're beginning to think, hmm, what next step shall I take? He's surrounded in our second story by a big crowd of people. And they're really eagerly listening to what he's got to say. And somebody plucks up the courage steps out of the crowd and speaks to him. And this man, we are told, is a scribe, a teacher of the law, somebody who has studied the scriptures, who has been faithful all his life as a Jew, and he wants to become one of Jesus' followers. And he steps up to him and he says, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, I'm sure that man is 
completely sincere in what he's saying. But does he really get it? Jesus' reply is enigmatic and it's shocking. He challenges the man. Do you really understand what you're saying? If you're going to follow me wherever I go, do you really know what this means? Because it means you give up your security. It means being rootless and homeless and a wanderer. Even foxes and other wild animals have safe places to go. But I don't. I, Jesus, have nowhere to call home. Are you up for that? Nobody tells us what the man decided. But what if Jesus said it to us? What if in response to our profession of faith as Jesus, as Lord, he said to us, that's lovely. But do you realise that my way is dangerous? It's insecure. Are you really sure that's the path you want to walk? After the teacher of the law, another person comes forward and says to Jesus, I'd really like to come with you, but first let me bury my father. The response Jesus gives him seems really harsh. Let the dead bury their own dead. But actually we need to unpack a little bit what that saying meant. Let me bury my father meant... Yeah, I'll come with you, but one day off in the future. This person's father was probably fine, alive, well, healthy, working. What he was really saying is, there will come a time when I want to follow you, but not yet. Not yet. In one of the parables that Luke records for us, Jesus talks about guests being invited to a banquet. And one of them says, well, I'd like to come, but first let me bury my father. And not yet. And in the parable, one of them says, well, do you know what? I've just got married. It's really not the time to come to your banquet. And still another one says, I've just bought some new oxen. I need to go out and test them. And in the story, in the, in the parable that Jesus says, the, the person holding the banquet is really angry. He says, well, fine. One of them, then I'll have other people. Just go and get anybody, anybody to come in. But it is a question maybe worth thinking about. Are we a bit like the disciples saying, well, not yet actually, Jesus. Um, I've got other things I would like to do first. I can actually remember when I was in my teens. Um, slightly different because there was a lot of teaching around the second coming and everybody thought the rapture was imminent and da-da-da-da. And I used to earnestly pray to God every night, um, please God, can you kind of, Delay coming back until I've done my O-levels. Could you delay coming back until I've been to university? Could you just delay coming back until... And that's what we see here. Not about Jesus coming back, but about committing to follow him. Yes, I'll follow you, Jesus, but not yet, because actually I'd really like to get my education and my marriage and my house and my car and my children and whatever it is these things first, then if I've got time at the end of my life, 
It's a tough ask, this following Jesus. Jesus expects nothing less than total commitment. And that's what the last story tells us. And it's a very poignant story. An earnest, devout young man comes to see Jesus. And he sounds like he's an absolute pillar of society. One of those young men that's grown up in the synagogue and everybody's really proud of him. He's faithful, he comes every Shabbat, he's read, no doubt, from the scrolls. He prays, he's a decent young man. But in his heart of hearts, he knows something is missing. So he comes and asks this Jesus, who is so attractive, well, what is it I'm missing? So Jesus says, well, you know, obey the commandments. He says, well, which commandments? And Jesus reels them off. Well, yeah, yeah, I do that. I don't murder. I don't steal. I don't commit adultery. I don't do this. I don't do that. I love God. I love my neighbor. And Jesus looks at him. And then he says, okay. If you want to be perfect, is one of the translations, if you want to be complete, then sell it all up and give to the poor. And then, come and follow me. And this is the one story where we get a hint at what happens next, because the young man turns away. He's really sad. The possessions, the wealth he has, are so important to him they have such a hold over him that he goes away he's not a bad man he's not an evil man he is just a man who is held captive by the things that he thinks he owns actually whilst what Jesus says is incredibly demanding maybe it's also liberating because this young man could let go of this stuff and he wouldn't have to worry about his investments and he wouldn't have to worry about looking after the property and he would be able to focus more fully on the values of the kingdom of God. Values of love and justice, the alleviation of poverty, bringing hope and healing to those who don't have power to do this for themselves. And it's a question Jesus asks us too. Are you willing to give up everything for me? <coughs> what is it that holds you back? What is it that holds us back from fully participating in Jesus' work now? I have to admit, I am very grateful that the gospel writer records Peter's response to Jesus at this point because it is so real. It's so human. Peter, in that way, that only Peter can says, well, okay, Jesus, well, well what about us then? Because we've given up our jobs and our homes and our families and our money. We've given it all up to follow you. What about us? Now, if I'm being honest, because I'm also very human, the you will get all these things and more at the end of time, it's not the most encouraging response, is it? Like, don't worry, it'll be all fine. When you get to heaven, you'll have a nice house and a nice car. And... Peter's very real. Peter, like us, is flawed. Peter didn't always quite get what Jesus demanded of him. 
I do wonder, though, what happened to those people in the stories? Because these weren't parable characters. These were real people who met Jesus. The teacher of the law who wanted to follow Jesus wherever he went. The disciple that wanted to put it off for another day. And the earnest young man trapped by his wealth and his possessions. I wonder, too, what are the questions and thoughts that we find stirred in our hearts and minds by these tough stories and the really hard challenges they express. When I was training for ministry, and we did sort of stuff around preaching, we were always told that the question we should ask ourselves is, where is the good news in this story? These stories of Jesus calling people to follow him are challenging stories. They're scary stories. They're demanding stories. And the temptation would be just to give you some nice little platitude and say, it's all right, God loves you, it's fine, it'll be lovely. But perhaps the good news in these stories is these are stories of real people. These are stories of people like us who tried to follow Jesus and they didn't always fully understand and they didn't always get it right. And I wonder if the good news perhaps is in another story where there is Jesus and there is Peter and they are walking along a beach. Peter's been out fishing again. He's given up following this Jesus who's died and who he let down and he's gone back to his boat or a boat. And he comes out of the boat, having a rubbish night's fishing until Jesus comes along. And they go for a walk along the beach. And it's a beautiful story, isn't it? Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then do this. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then do Do you really love me? Yes, I really love you. And then at the end, those same words with which it all began. Follow me. And I think that's true for me, and I think that's true for you, and I think that's true for us. We do our best to follow Jesus. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we fail. But Jesus is always there to walk alongside us, to have the conversations with us, and then to say, come on then. Follow me.
with our prayers for others. Let's all pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we remember today how you chose 12 ordinary people to be your disciples, calling them to follow you, entrusting them with the message of the gospel, expecting them to make your love known to those they met. We thank you for all those who have heard your call across the ages, all those from different walks of life who have come together at different times, in different ways, and in different places to be your people. We thank you for the way you have consistently called the most unlikely of individuals from different races and cultures, with different characters and gifts, to become your church. Above all, we thank you that you have called us here with our different outlooks, our contrasting temperaments, diverging backgrounds, and variety of experiences to be your church in this place. Teach us that whoever we are, you can use us. Help us to accept one another and ourselves, just as we are, united in our diversity, with our desire to follow you. We pray today for those who have heard your call and are serving in different churches in the Baptist Union of Scotland, especially thinking of those in Borough Isle in Shetland, Calderwood in East Kilbride, and Cambus Lang on the outskirts of Glasgow. We pray for them as they work out what it means for them to be your disciples in very different settings, reaching out to their communities with the good news of Jesus. We also remember the Reverend Leslie Edge as he serves as chaplain at the Prince and Princess of Wales Hospice 
in its new building in Bella Houston Park in Glasgow. Guide him and all who serve there to support patients and families of those who have terminal illness. As we think of our Baptist Missionary Society, we pray for the different teams who go out to work alongside long-term missionaries. We pray particularly for action teams of gap year students who have spent six months in South America, Europe, Africa or Asia and pray that they may have seen you at work in their lives and been a blessing to others. We pray today for our own students here in Hillhead. We pray for Bethany, for Leo, for Rachel and Nanny, young people with so much to offer, so many gifts, so many fresh ideas, so much enthusiasm, and yet faced today as never before by all kinds of pressures, demands and temptations. Help us to appreciate them, to be open to their insights, to use their gifts, to nurture their faith, and to care about their welfare. Guide them in their work and studies. Protect them from all that may harm them or lead them astray. Encourage them in all they are doing among us and show them your way for the future. And in a moment of silence, we remember our concerns personally, nationally and internationally as we consider what we've read in the news this week. Loving God, we thank you for your call upon our lives. Help us to work together for your kingdom, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
loving God, we bring these gifts of money, and with them we bring our very selves, that all may be employed in the work of your kingdom. Amen. And so our final hymn is a hymn of consecration. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days and let them flow in ceaseless praise. We stand as we can, as we sing. together, called to go out into your world. Send us now, triune God, to live to work to your praise and glory now and always. Ooh.